So good to see all the smiling faces. How many of you survived the cold weekend? None of you guys, but I was a little cold this weekend. And in fact, we had the Fletcher Christmas Parade, and we had over 20 volunteers, and a few select people got to ride the van. The rest of us froze on the back of a truck and walkers, but we, we had a really good time, and we want to announce, uh, thanks to Aaron and Michelle and the youth, we won first place for the non-business float, so good job, guys. We'll try to have some pictures for you guys next week so you can see uh, pictures of the float and, and that sort of thing. Um, for all of our guests and members alike, if you'll notice in front, there's a connection card. I want to encourage you guys to fill that out. And we also have a response. If the Lord spoke to you about something during the message, uh, feel free to write what God's uh, telling you and speaking to you about. Or if you have prayer requests, we'd like to pray for you guys. As you know, two weeks from today is a big day. What day is it? Christmas time. So I want to give you guys a few previews for Christmas. We are doing a Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. It's going to be candlelit, very beautiful. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it's going to be a special time. And then we are having a Christmas Day service, which is completely separate and different. There will be a different message, different music. So in case you're wondering, are you having church on Christmas Sunday? We are, and, you know, what a better time to celebrate Christ's birthday. So I know a lot of churches in the area are just doing Christmas Eve only, but we have both. So good time to bring your family and friends, and want to encourage you guys to invite people. Um, one more announcement has been mentioned in room A212. We kind of wanted to have a dual purpose. We're going to take pictures for our new directory we're working on. And also, if you want a Christmas picture with your family, that's going to be following the service. Uh, David Nance has spent countless hours setting up this room. So where is David? I want to thank him. He's sitting in the back. So we appreciate your time. He set up like a professional green screen with lighting. And so uh, it... We're upgrading our efforts since last time of the iPhone pictures. Now we are uh, actually got a professional camera. and We're making progress at the church. Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will jump into the word today. Father, we thank you for the wonderful music that Elaine and Stephen and the choir was able to lead us in worship, God. And God, we do want to magnify your name, and we do want to adore you. Father, I am aware that many of us struggle during the Christmas and holiday season. Uh, Many of us have lost loved ones, uh, spouses and family members and friends. And this is a time of celebration, but it's also a time of mourning. And God, right now, we just give those broken hearts to you. For all the ones that came in carrying worries and concerns, God, it's hard to be joyful and in a jolly mood when life is hard. So, Father, we want to give all those issues to you. So, Father, as we look into your word, I pray that you would help us to understand it, you would speak to our hearts, and that, God, as we look at the Christmas story, that it would just bring new life, and we would see ourselves in in the story, and we would learn fresh and new what Christmas is truly about. We love you, we give thanks and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to continue on in our series, White Christmas. And as I mentioned, every week I'm telling a few personal Christmas stories to kind of give you guys a little insight into my life, but also to reflect on your stories. So uh, I have a few pictures for you. Um, The first one is of my kids trying to get them ready for Christmas. It's, as you can tell, Gabriel, it's a little hard. He's a year and a half. Will not stay still more than five seconds. So 
uh, that happened. Let's go ahead and look at the next picture. We took our kids every year. We go to a Christmas tree farm, and this is this one happens to be Maggie Valley, and so I was stuck at the bottom of the mountain with the two babies while the girls went to go cut down a tree, pick a tree to have cut down, and so they picked out a tree, and here's what it looked like, the next picture. So we got our Christmas tree up, and I love how when you put up the Christmas tree, the real ones that is, the smell of the house, and you got the music playing in the background, and maybe you make the hot chocolate or the apple cider, uh, maybe... If, if you have a good cook at the house, there's a hot apple pie baking in the oven, which I'm throwing a little hint to my wife yet. That's that's to do. So. <laughs> but I don't know what your Christmas tradition is, but, you know, it, it's a great time of the year just to think about and create memories and to celebrate uh, family traditions. And it seems like with every kid we add, we're up to four, by the way, it seems like we start new traditions every year. So we'll be sharing more about that. But I was reading about... This is by Dave Barry. He talked about a politically correct Christmas. He said in, he's from Miami, and he said, To avoid offending anyone, their school system in Miami dropped religion altogether and started singing, singing about the weather. So he said at his school, uh, son's school, uh, they now hold a winter program in February, and they sing about songs like Winter Wonderland, Frosty the Snowman, and also Su- Susie Snowflake. I haven't, wasn't familiar with that. So uh, he said it's pretty interesting singing about snow in Miami. He said if uh, someone from another planet would visit, they would assume that the children belong to the Church of Meteorology, you know, the Church of the Weather. And uh, I thought that was humorous. But, you know, we live in a a day and time where if you say anything about Christ or Christmas, uh, people get offended. You know, if you say Merry Christmas or wishing you a white Christmas or whatever it may be, people are like, excuse me? And it's almost like the equivalent of you're going to someone's birthday party, but you're not allowed to mention that person's name, even though it's their birthday. That would be kind of awkward, wouldn't it? So speaking of awkward, we're going to look in this text from Joseph's perspective. And last week we talked about Mary, and a lot of scholars believe she was a teenager. And you can imagine a teenage girl um, bearing forth the Messiah. So this week we're going to talk from Joseph's perspective. And, you know, a lot of us can relate, especially the men in the room of, you know, thinking about having a baby and what emotions it has. But can you imagine finding out that the woman you're getting ready to marry is having a baby and this woman you're getting ready to marry, she's having a baby that's not yours. You talk about the drama that would ensue. So we're going to look at the text and then we're going to talk about Joseph's story from drama to destiny, from drama to destiny. So look at verse 18. It says in Matthew 1, verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name what? Jesus, which means the Lord saves. For he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, 
Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she brought forth her firstborn son. And they called his name Jesus. So first of all, we see Joseph. Look at his dream. As we look in this text, we see Joseph's dream was probably a lot of like our dream. When we, for those of us who are married or want to get married, you know, let's, for most guys, it's you dream of finding the woman of your dreams, spending the rest of your life with her. Um, you think about having kids. You think about traveling together. I can still remember when I met Lori. Most of you know some of her story, but some of you don't know all the story. And I wanted to share kind of an intimate story that I had to ask her permission because I typically don't share this story because it's very personal. But uh, she gave me permission, so I'll get to share it for, with you guys today. Is that okay? So uh, everyone's like, I want to hear the story. So as you know, when I was in Texas, I went to seminary. And I was the typical struggling seminary student trying to pay my way through school, debt-free, but didn't have a lot of money. So when I came back into town, um, I, I helped out a church. They needed a pastor, so I was interim for a while. And then I was getting ready, hoping to go to the next ministry opportunity. And a job just didn't open up. So here I was, a you know, mid-20s, and trying to find a job. And I went six months without a job. And a lot of college students are experiencing that today. You know, you get your college degree, and you're like, where's, where's the job they promised me? You just go to school, you get this job, and, and college students are shaking their heads. You know what it's like. Where's the job at? So uh, I went six months, and I, I hate to regret it, uh, admit it, but I went from being debt-free to owing several thousand dollars on credit card, just trying to live until I could get a job. And uh, I ended up meeting Lori, and she had a really good job. She worked for, she was an accountant for a CTA firm, and just moved up from Miami, had a really good job, and here's this you know, loser with no job, and <laughs> at least I felt that way about myself, and just, you know, struggling, and for some reason, uh, she saw potential in me. I don't know why, but she saw potential, and we started dating, and after about a month of dating, I wouldn't re- recommend this for any of the single girls out there, but my wife did it. Um, she realized I had debt, and she knew that debt was going to keep us from being together. And she did what I, I wouldn't advise anyone to do, but she wrote a check to help me pay off my debt so that she knew that that was keeping us from progressing to get engaged and get married. And what she did just blew, blew me away because I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can take this. And she did it so we could be together. And so my, my drama turned into something so precious where we were able to get engaged and get married and the Lord opened up doors, and um, so I thank you, Lord, for doing that. So uh, it's a personal story, but I share that to say that's kind of a picture of the gospel where we had a debt we couldn't really pay off, you know, struggling, and Jesus pays the debt so that we could be together. And when I see the story of Mary and Joseph, um, I see a lot of drama happening, as happens in a lot of relationships. And some of you have experienced drama. Uh, you look at Joseph and he's struggling because the girl that he's in love with, she has this talk, and it's basically like, Joseph, uh, can we talk? Um, 
as you can tell, I'm showing a little bit right now, and you may have thought it was freshman 15 or whatever, but there's something behind it. I've not just gained a little weight, but last night, recently, it was actually a few months ago before I visited Elizabeth, an angel appeared to me and says, I'm going to have a baby. But Joseph, before you say anything, it's God's baby. Okay, let me ask the guys for a moment. If your bride-to-be told you they're pregnant and it's not your baby, but it's, it's God's baby, how would you respond? Most of you would say, yeah, right. Come on now. So Joseph, the Bible says, he, he had this drama, and he's just like, what do I do? Because you've got to understand, the Bible says they were betrothed together. And betrothal period, it lasted about a year. So there's basically four steps. The first step was betrothal, and that was when uh, a bride-to-be would um, basically, the, the parents would make an arrangement typically, and they, they would pay the bride price, which would cover, um, once the woman got married, it would cover the financial loss the family would experience because they, they had kind of a family unit. So they would pay the bride price, and then the groom would return to his father's house typically, and he would prepare a place for his bride. Um, so during this time, the, the groom would be about preparing this space for them to live in. Sometimes it was attached to the family's um, household. And the third step is the groom would come to get his bride, usually at a time when she didn't know. So you can imagine, you know, girls want to prepare for the wedding day. Imagine there's, you don't know when your groom's going to show up. Wouldn't that be kind of awkward? Like he's going to come and there's going to be the shout and then they take you away to your new home. And um, so that, that was kind of the, the process. And the fourth stage is they would consummate their marriage and have a huge, sometimes week-long celebration. So while Joseph is betrothed, before any of this other process happens, she says, I'm pregnant. Now part of, part of the year process, the reason why betrothal was a year, it was a testing period. So typically pregnancy lasts how many months? Usually nine months. Well, within a year, you could see whether your bride-to-be was faithful or not, because if she wasn't, it would show within that time period. And all of a sudden, Mary is pregnant and showing, and Joseph's drama is, hey, um, you know, this, this, this child, it's not yours. So all of a sudden, his dream turns into, number two, Joseph's drama. Joseph's drama. So look at verse 18. It says, before they came together... She was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And it says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to publicly disgrace her, was minded to put her away secretly. So here, here's the picture. Joseph was going to divorce Mary. And this day and time, when you were betrothed, it was considered like a binding contract. So even though they had not officially become husband and wife in the sense that we know it, the engagement process was like officially binding, where you'd have to get a divorce. So Joseph had two options. The first option is he could bring her before the city gates and have her stoned. The second option was an option that a lot of people may not have chosen. It was to kind of keep it under the down low so that she wouldn't be publicly disgraced. Because in this day and time, if someone was pregnant outside of wedlock, it was a shame and honor culture. So whenever you did this, people were just like, did you hear the news? And Nazareth was such a small town that they grew up in that, I mean, it's some of you have grown up in small towns. Uh, we mentioned the other day, if you grew up in Leicester or if you grew up in 
Madison County or Maggie Valley or some of Mills River, you know, some of these small towns, news travels fast. Have you noticed that? It reminds me of an article I was reading about, by Dear Abby. It says, Dear Abby, our son was married in January. Five months later, his wife had a 10-pound baby girl. They said the baby was premature. Tell me, can a baby this be this big that early? And dear Abby responded, dear wondering, the baby was on time, the wedding was late, just forget it. So this is kind of what Joseph was experiencing, like, what do I do? You know, this woman, I have this dream, and all of a sudden this dream turns into drama. And the drama is that this precious, pure young lady that everyone speaks so highly of, all of a sudden she's pregnant. I know it's not mine. But notice Joseph's character. It says that he was just. Joseph was a just man. What this means in the original language, it hints at that he was a man of faith. That in in Old Testament times, including going into the New Testament, people were not saved by keeping the law. They were saved by their faith in the promises of God. A lot of times we get confused that people in the Old Testament were saved by keeping the law. People in the New Testament are saved by grace. No, people of all times have been saved by grace. But in the Old Testament, they were saved by believing in the promises of God, the promise of the coming Messiah. Throughout Scripture, the just are justified through faith. So Joseph, being a just man, what that implies in the original language is that he was looking forward to the coming Messiah. And I never saw that until I saw it in the original language, that he was looking forward, because he was a just man, he was looking forward to the expected Messiah. Little did he know that he would be the foster, foster parent of, of the Messiah. I mean, it, can you imagine? You're looking for the coming Messiah, and all of a sudden the angel reveals to you, you're going to be the foster parent. I mean, to me, that would be a big wake-up call. He was not only a man of faith, but he was a loving man. Notice he didn't want to shame Mary. And in this day and culture, in this time, biblical in the New Testament era, whenever you know someone came out and they had committed this supposed sin, um, you could be publicly disgraced. Even though we know Mary did not commit that, that was what the implication of what Joseph thought before the angel showed him, hey, Mary has not done wrong. This is God's doing. So Joseph did not want to put her, put her to public disgrace because he loved her. So you see the loving heart there. Notice it also says that Joseph was a thoughtful man. It says, while he thought about these things, the angel appeared to him. One thing I can learn about Joseph is even though he was, his drama was going on, he didn't act rashly. A lot of times us men, and wives don't shake your head yes, but sometimes we can let emotion, sometimes we can let things get in the way where our reasoning's clouded. Sometimes men can struggle from anger or like, why is this happening? And Joseph was willing to allow time to work through so God could speak to him. Uh, One of my family members has a saying, sleep on it. Before you make any big decision, you sleep on it. Some of you have heard that. And I think that's good advice. Before you're making a life-altering decision, before you act rashly, take time to allow it to process. I was thinking, what if God wants to turn your present drama into your future dream? What if God can turn your worst nightmare into your greatest dream? What we'll see in this text is God can change your whole world in just a moment. Joseph goes from having this dream to having drama 
And the third stage we see from this text is we see destiny, Joseph's destiny. So his dream was, I'm going to get married to this wonderful young lady named Mary. She's amazing. I can't wait for us to have children and see what will become of that. Then drama enters the scene. Mary's pregnant. It's not your baby. Now Joseph's contemplating divorce, and he doesn't know what to do. All of a sudden, God enters the scene and says, Joseph, listen, this is totally not of man, it's of God. Mary has not done anything wrong. God has implanted himself inside of Mary, which we're going to talk about as a total miracle. And this child is going to be both the son of man and the son of God. This child is going to be the savior of the world. So look back in verse 21. Joseph's destiny, we're going to see in this text as we read it, is to become the guardian or the foster father of God's very own son to usher in the age of grace, the age of Emmanuel. Look at verse 21. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, I want you to think about that. Imagine being the foster parent of Jesus. And I say foster because Joseph had no biological making of Jesus. Jesus was preexistent forever from all eternity. And as I mentioned last week, I'm trying to explain that to my kids. And my wife's like, I think they're a little too young for you to explain the preexistence of the eternal Son of God. But we're starting a young age. <laughs> Maybe by the time she's six, she'll get it. Um, but, you know, even as adults, it's hard to rack your mind around Jesus is the only person who was ever born that was older than his parents because he, listed, he lived forever as the eternal Son of God. But he had to take on a human body. Because God cannot die. So God had to take on flesh so he could die for the sins of the world. So I was reading a story about how sometimes destiny, you know, when you think about destiny, sometimes you think that, you know, you have everything under control. But have you ever thought about if you lived under a different time period, if you're born in a different state or different town, or born in a different set of parents, how your destiny could be different? Anybody ever think about that? Um, Thomas Wheeler was the former CEO of Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company. He was telling a story, whether it's a true story about himself, I don't know, but he was telling about it. He and his wife were driving along the interstate one day, and he looked down at his gas gauge, and it was on empty. So he pulled into these old, one of these old-timey pump stations. There was only, like, you know, not, not very much going on at the gas station. And so this guy, it was the self-service where that you could serve it or the person would come and serve it for you. How many of you have ever been to a gas station where they'll pump the gas for you? Anybody? That was before my time. I've never had anyone do that for me. So, so this guy comes out, and it's a small little gas station, and the guy offers to pump the gas, and Mr. Wheeler's like, can you check the oil while you're at it, which I thought was a great concept because my oil always runs low in the car. So, you know, he fills up the gas, fills up the oil, Mr. Wheeler decides to stretch his legs and, you know, probably thinking about his company, how he's going to make a lot of money next year and as a CEO. And as he starts walking back, he looks over at his wife, and she and the gas pump, pump attendant are talking it up. And he's like, this is awkward. I mean, they're smiling and laughing and hands waving, and he's looking at body language. He's like, this is, this is weird. I better get back to the car and see what's up. So he, as soon as he gets there, it's awkward silence where they stop talking. So he's like, this, this is different. So he pays the gas pump attendant, and uh, they, they leave. And as they leave, his wife waves out the window and says, goodbye, it was good seeing you. And 
So as there was a little awkward silence on the drive as they get back on the highway, he asks his wife, did you know that guy? And she said, yeah, actually, we went to high school together, and we were at high school sweethearts for a year. And we were just catching up, and he's like, oh. And in a boastful stance, he said, it's so good that I came by your way, because had I not met you, you would be married to a gas pump attendant. And his wife said, my dear, if you had not met me, you would be the gas pump attendant, and he would be the CEO. So it's interesting how some of the factors we're not aware of can affect your destiny. And when you look at Jesus' destiny, Joseph, I don't know if Joseph and Mary at this point in time, they know that he's going to be the Messiah. But do you think at this point in time they know all the prophecies that are spoken? Do you think they have a download or do you think they they, they realize it as they grow? I think Mary, she pondered these things in her heart, it says in Luke. And I think as Jesus grew up and grew older, God revealed more and more of the Old Testament prophecies. In fact, many scholars think there are 300 or more prophecies alone fulfilled in the lifetime of Christ. Can you imagine that? I'm just going to read a few. I don't have time to go into all of them. The Messiah would be born of a woman, Genesis 3.15. The Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would be born of a virgin. That, that in and of itself is impossible outside of what Jesus did. He would be born in the tribe of David. Um, he would, his throne would be eternal and anointed. The Messiah would be called Emmanuel. The Messiah would spend a season in Egypt. He would be rejected by his own people. He would be declared the Son of God. He would be called a Nazarene. He would bring light to the Gentiles. He would speak in parables. The list goes on and on and on. And what is, what is amazing is you could take the 300 prophecies and sit. If, if a Jewish person would talk to you and you could look at Old Testament alone and see the impossibilities of any one person fulfilling over 300 prophecies, only Christ could do it. So when you look at the scripture, Joseph, he was a woodworker. He was a carpenter. And all of a sudden, he went from being a woodworker to raising up this wonder worker, this, this one that was going to save the sins of the world. And whenever the angel revealed this to Joseph, he mentioned two of, two of the names of the new child. One was Jesus. And that's his role. He was going to save his people from their sins. The other one, we just sang about it. What was it? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, could you imagine Joseph trying to understand what it means to have God with us? You know, this little child, this is God with me. This, this boy I'm training at, to be a carpenter, this is God working with me. And this is a little preview for Christmas Eve. As I mentioned, we're having two separate services. But Christmas Eve, I'm feeling led to go the direction of what does it mean to have God with us, Emmanuel. Well, just a few highlights is whenever you go to work and you realize Emmanuel is with you and in you and for you, it changes the way you do your job. Whenever you do face drama in your life, if you know that God's with you and for you and he's there to help you, that will help you navigate through the drama. If you know that God is for you, you no longer have to worry about who's against you. Amen. So this Christmas, I want us to rediscover Emmanuel, God with us. So you have Joseph's dream. He was just going to live a simple life. You know, Nazareth, most scholars say it was like this podunk little place. Most people didn't think too highly of. In fact, one of Jesus' own disciples said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Um, 
small town girl. All of a sudden, drama takes place. She's pregnant. And how many think that people in the town didn't believe the story of the virgin birth? I mean, most people would be like, kidding me? So even the rumors circulate as reading the Gospels that even though this really happened, people didn't believe it. They were like, come on now. So something I want you guys to get from this text is that God can turn whatever you're going through into something amazing. And a lot of you, this Christmas, when I talk about drama, when I even mention Christmas, your head goes down because Christmas is full of drama. You think about the person that's not there this year that was there last year, and your heart is broken. And I I, I feel really heartbroken for you. Something I want to encourage you and everyone else going through that is if you realize that God is with you and God is for you, that will help you get through it. I was reading recently in a Harvard review how it was just general stats um, about Christmas presents. How many of you have ever gotten a gift card for Christmas? Raise your hand. Okay, most of you. I was reading about 39% of people give gift cards for Christmas, and 33% of people have received restaurant cards. Did you realize that through the, and that the average amount the average household has is $300 in gift cards at your house? By the way, if you don't want to use them, let me know. <laughs> um, so between 2005 and 2011, according to this uh, general review, if the average household had $300 in business cards and you calculate it, there's $41 billion in gift cards that went unused between 2005 and 2011, $41 billion. Now you think about it, that's a lot of money. So whoever invented the gift card idea did a good job because half the people don't even cash them in. So... But here's the, here's, here's the closing thought I want you to get as we look at Joseph, how he had this dream, he had a lot of drama, and all of a sudden God enters the scene and turns his drama into his destiny. I wonder how many of us have unwrapped spiritual gifts this Christmas. Um, you think about $41 billion in money, that's a lot of money that could be used for other stuff. But I wonder this Christmas, when we talk about destiny, how many of us have unwrapped potential that you have a certain gift, a talent, an ability, and it's just sitting there just like the gift card, unused, untapped into? I wonder how that affects your life, your family's life, your church. So here, here's my challenge this Christmas is one of the greatest gifts you can give to Jesus this year. We're always talking about getting presents, but it is his birthday, right? The greatest present you can give him is your presence, yourself. Allow Jesus to unwrap your potential this year, what God has for you. So just to close this off, the take-home truth is this. When we look at Joseph's life, when we look at it from Joseph's perspective, God can turn your drama into your destiny when you embrace Emmanuel, that God is with me and God is for me. Amen. So when you read this text and you see from Joseph's perspective, I want you to get the drama there. I want you to get like, it seemed like his whole world was falling apart. But you know what? God can step in the midst of drama. And he can turn your dream into your destiny. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story about Joseph. And I thank you what we can learn about Joseph and how special the story is. And Father, my prayer is for us. I know there's many people here that are going through extreme drama. 
God, they're, they're brokenhearted because a spouse is no longer here or a brother or sister is no longer here. God, Christmas is a hard time for them. God, my heart breaks with them. And I just want to pray that you would reveal yourself to them as Emmanuel, that you are the God with us and for us, and as believers, you are the God in us. And right now, just with everyone in the spirit of prayer, the greatest present you could give Jesus this Christmas is yourself. And if you've never done that for the first time, if you would just say a simple prayer where you're at, to say, Jesus, I want to give my life to you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be the God with me and for me and in me. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me and that you rose again. And I want to give my life to you. Friend, if you prayed that prayer, please come see me. And Father, for the rest of us, I know it's my heart's plea is, God, unwrap me this Christmas. I don't want to be unused for you. Even I don't want to even be using half my potential. I want all of us within this room, spiritually, in every way possible, to say, Jesus, unwrap me. Help me not to be an unused gift, but help me be a blessing to others, to my family, to my friends, to my church. Father, thank you for all you're doing in this place. We love you, and we give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.